This is episode number 207 of the Rising Man podcast with Carrie Azuma. Humility is the highway back to love. Welcome back, Rising Man fam. Thank you for joining me here today. Jetty Azuma checking in for another episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before I introduce my lovely guest for today, it is the last chance to register for Dojo. It is our four-day self-mastery and embodied leadership training coming up in April, April 7th through 10th here on the West Coast. If you haven't heard about Dojo yet, it's like Navy SEALs training for your nervous system. It's a unique blend of martial arts practices, mindfulness, meditation techniques, breathing exercises, and all different types of activities to prepare you for the adversities of life. It's an amazing training and I'd love for have you join us. Risingman.org slash dojo is where you can get more information and register today. All right. My guest for today is Carrie Azuma. Carrie is my wife, my partner, and the amazing mother of my children. She's also led countless women in leadership over the years, supporting them in embodying their purpose. She leads mothers through rites of passage journeys, supporting them in reclaiming their power in that very integral role. Most recently, she's resumed working with all women in supporting their leadership in connection with the nervous system and helping them return to their deepest truth and courageously living their vision. In this episode, Carrie and I peeled back the curtains on our relationship to share what we've learned and how we've stayed together for almost 10 years. We discussed why love is not all you need. Sorry, John Lennon, but it's not. And what else is required to make a relationship last? Carrie shared the story of when we realized we didn't have clear family values that we shared and what we did to create them. We talked about finding our way back to love with humility, vulnerability, and honesty. We also dove into the real talk of fighting for time as a resource, especially when raising small children, and what we've done to make it work. Lastly, we discussed trusting in each other and trusting in something bigger than ourselves to take on the challenges of life as partners. Without further ado, my lovely wife, Carrie Azuma. Rising Man family, I have a drop-dead gorgeous bombshell of a babe in my podcast recording studio right now, my lovely wife of seven and a half years, Miss Carrie Azuma. Love having you here, honey. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the for the beautiful compliments. <laughs> yeah, people hear about you all the time, and now they finally get to see your lovely face and hear your lovely voice again. This is the second time we've done this. Oh, well, been a hello, while. Rising Man community. It's good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since before we had Itzy. So, yeah, yeah, it's good to be back here in this phase of our life. Yeah, I, for those of you who don't know, my wife is a badass leadership and embodiment coach. She's focusing her work with women right now, taking all of the experiences that she's had and applying them to helping women and whether they're mothers or women running businesses, she's just really taking the world by storm right now. And yeah, she's kicking ass. So I just wanted to say that so you all know just how awesome my wife is. But we were talking about it this week. A lot of people ask us and ask me, you know, about my relationship with you but rarely do we get an opportunity to really speak about that together and really discuss yeah. what it's like, what's what's going on, what have we learned, what have we gathered, and how can that be helpful? Because it's hard raising a family and having a marriage, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're always learning. It's funny because I feel like compared to our parents, we're like babies in marriage, but you know, around our friends, we're sort of the veterans. <laughs> so I feel like... It's been a nice, beautiful, long enough road for us to have, um, you know, some experience to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's been a really challenging last year. I mean, everyone 
has been really deep in it in the past couple of years with COVID and quarantines and pandemics and all the uncertainties. But I know we've seen more than a few parents and partners who are raising children together just go through it like we were. So, yeah, man, I think I think everyone's getting their their parent chops through this whole experience and they're, you know, in all the different ways. I just bow to parents during this time. So. One of the things that I've spoken to and alluded to, but not really gone into depth with on the show is when you and I created our family values of service, spirit, and growth. So yes. I, let, let, why don't you tell the story through your lens? Cause some people might've heard it from me already. Yeah. I mean, I think we were just on a really sweet date. <laughs> we were like, let's review like what, what are our values? I think this was at a time where we were looking at moving away from Santa Barbara when we were living in Santa Barbara. Uh, we didn't know yet what fate held that we would end up here in Santa Cruz and then <laughs> so on and so forth. But, um, we were kind of taking a review of where we were going to go next. And we realized, wow, we can't really figure out where we're going until we know we're like really clear on these three things together. We've been married for a while. We haven't re reviewed this for ourselves, And so, yeah, I think we just, we sat down and we looked at like, who are you? Who am I? And who are we? And how do those things coalesce and service, spirit and growth just seem to be the fit all the way around. And it really has been the thing that even brought us together, really. Mm. Right. Because like we met through our friends, through the Burning Man community, through the coaching community. I mean, it kind of started off on this whole foot of like holding vision through leadership and through growth. And I think growth is actually one of the biggest pillars of how we've stayed married. Um and love, really. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have growth tools, but I, I really do feel like we are a couple of the lucky ones because our love has carried us through so deeply through all of those those different trials. So mm. I do feel like, you know, we do the work and I also feel like we got super blessed in this life <laughs> with each other. So before we go into more into the story, a question came to my mind because I know how much we do love each other. And I have told people that what has gotten us through so much of the challenges we faced is how much we love each other. So I know we have that going for us, but do you think that the love that we have for each other alone would have carried us through those challenging times or is it something else? Definitely not. Mm. I, I always tell couples like love is never enough. I mean, mm. it is a huge recipe, but it's, it's really never enough. You have to, I think one of the best recipes of success for us, and I think I might've even said this on our last podcast together, is just that we always really want the other person to win. You know, it's like if I see you down or if I see you're not winning, it's just my whole body just is so misaligned with that reality. It's like, how can he feel good? How can he? It's like we always feel like we got the better end of the deal, you know, yeah. so um, by having each other. So I yeah, there's just a. I think one of the biggest values we have that we didn't say out loud is commitment. Mm. And that's why we both teach leadership <laughs> in our different ways. Um, but I think the commitment we have to each other winning is probably one of the biggest recipes of like why we are still together and still thriving and, um, you know, always working toward being better and all the things. So John Lennon had it wrong. Love is not all you need. There's, there's, there's a couple other ingredients. Well, you know, we could get into a whole theoretical discussion. Like, yes, love is love can be there. You know, I'm just talking about sustaining a marriage in this day and age when like many marriages fail. Um, I think there there has to be vision. There has got to mm. be vision and love. Yeah. I, and I completely agree with you. Obviously, I'm just being being silly. It's okay. You know, you're the host. You can poke. <laughs> I got I got to banter a little bit. And you know, in addition to love, 
the things that we have going for us are communication, just an ability to really communicate and not just vibrate words on air, but to actually communicate with each other and speak what's going on and, and be honest and forthcoming about when and where we're challenged without compromising our individual truths, which is a very complicated and difficult thing to learn how to navigate. And I think that's what you're alluding to when you say these leadership tools and distinctions. Yes, but I actually want to say something about that because I think when we met, this is one of the foundations on which our love and our relationship was born on. Because mm-hmm. I remember telling my friends like, wow, this is the first person I've ever been with. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for a partner. This is the first person I've ever been with where I can say anything about myself and I know it will be held. I know I won't be judged and I know that there's like a space for it to go and it's, it'll be it'll be just completely embraced. And so I felt like I didn't ever have to hide pieces or contort pieces or kind of like make pieces of myself look a little better for you. Mm-hmm. I always felt like, wow, this is someone I can literally just like trust fall back into. And I think that's what started the ability for us to be in that really clear and transparent communication. Yes, we also founded our relationship in an ontology of coaching, you know, language group. (laughs) So there there was like, that's kind of where we met was like studying ontology, which is actually like the study of language and being. So we had this common language also in like the coaching community that we use with each other, which was powerful but the fact like the the like spark of that came from just being like wow I can tell this person anything and that took that's the part where I think it took us work where we had been in relationships where we had contorted ourselves where we had betrayed our truth in order to make something work because we were more committed to this word relationship than we were to ourselves and we both met at this time where we were like I love myself more I'm not going to settle and we were we came forthright with those truths together you gave me your truth I gave you mine and it was unabashedly you know transparent so I think that truth was a theme that just was born from our commitment to release and be vulnerable and like jump off the freaking cliff, you know? And I want to add a layer onto that because there's plenty of times where I fall into judgment of you, where my ego gets triggered and we, we've had, we have many, <clears throat> many what? of those moments. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, it's important to be really clear because no, I know a lot sure, of people who don't sure. see the behind the scenes, it's easy yeah. for us to take that for granted, but there's many moments where my ego gets triggered. Your little girl gets triggered, but it's a deeper level of trust that we, I always know that you're going to come back to to the love and the commitment we have to each other. Yes. And I know that you always feel that for me too, that no matter how far I go, I, I've said some hurtful things. I've hurt your feelings more than once. And we've always found our way back to the place of love. And it's through the vehicle of humility and honesty and vulnerability and those words that mean a lot of different things to people, but it's the practice. It's the daily practice of always coming back. Humility for sure. I feel like we really, uh, we let pride take a bit a backseat in our relationship a lot. Not that it doesn't come up. Oh boy, does it? It sure does. But, um, I think humility is the biggest piece because there has to be a part of us that's like, sometimes we wait a day, sometimes we wait a few hours, sometimes it's a couple days and we're, we, one of us will come back and say, all right, like 
this isn't working. <laughs> you know, like we, I, you know, I said something like, well, the biggest piece is really ownership because mm. we really, I think we really like take ownership of what we're responsible for, which again, I think is a big part of our training and like our 10 years of coaching. But I also just think, you know, also our examples in life. Like I, I saw my parents always come back to each other. I was very lucky to have good models that way. Mm. Um, and you know, I just, I would rather, I'd rather win. <laughs> than be prideful, you know, yeah. and that humility is, it's a huge piece of it. It made me think of that quote. Do you care more about being happy or being right? Yeah. And that's such a good one. And to sometimes I'm like, I want to be right. Like, <laughs> I'm mad at you. And, what you if know? being right makes me happy? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh man. I, I was thinking about a conversation we were having the other night around two really big life events coming up and one that you committed to, which I don't know if you want to share, but one that you committed to and then a life event for our friends that I am so committed to being at and how both of them were so important to us and how I wanted to be right and just be like, how could you choose your thing over this thing? And you were probably like, how could you make me choose something that I've already committed to? I mean, we get into these things like heavy guys. It's not always easy. Um, and it's just happened the other night, but the way we worked through that was pretty awesome because mm -hmm. I definitely started off in my triggers, definitely wanted to be right, definitely wanted to make you wrong and have you just give in to what I wanted. Um, and you were so patient with me, which I really appreciated and, um, you know, let that kind of play out, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, which sometimes women have to get, have to have that space, I think. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I, when I finally was able to see your side, it was like, okay, that was another moment where I was like, man, this is actually what I trust about this person is that he has this commitment to this, you know, this, this thing he really wants to do and he's called to. And I want to make that wrong in this moment for what I want. So there's always like those little things that come up. It's not like it's all perfect and um, navigating that sometimes can take days. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And just to review that particular example, that's, that's a really great and recent example for us of those things that inevitably come up in relationships, marriages, and really strong marriages where there is no easy solution. There's no easy answer. Whenever you're in a relationship with two separate people, I don't care about this like twin flames or we're one soul and two bodies type of thing. You're two separate people who no matter what, at some point you're going to have different desires and conflicting desires. And sometimes those are really big things like in this scenario for us. And for me personally, one of the things that came up was really reviewing this word commitment. People who listen to the podcast know that I love talking about commitment and talking about being more committed. But this particular example brought up a whole new meaning to that word for me. And I asked myself, what am I actually committed to? What am I committed to, to the degree that it, it's the way that I want to hold all of my commitments, that it's non-negotiable. It's not going to change. I'm not going to allow anything in my control to influence that commitment that I have. And the one above all commitments that I have is to our marriage. The vow, that promise that I made to you, all of the things that I said when we got married and the things that I heard you say to me, and I, and I reviewed that and I've never broken that commitment. Hmm. I've broken yeah. some commitments. I've, I've failed on some of my commitments. I've let the 
balls drop and let things fall off of my plate when I put the word commitment on them before, but that commitment I've never broken. And so it's given me a new reference point for how I hold commitment and what I give my word to and what I mean when I say that. And I think it's important for people who are in relationship. I think a lot of people go into marriage unknowingly and not really knowing what it takes to be committed to that degree. I know that I've learned a whole lot more about what it means. Part of it is what you pick up on the journey. But then there's also just having that awareness that are you committing to this in a way that is non-negotiable? Are there conditions on the commitment of marriage and relationship? Yeah, definitely. I <laughs> I mean, yeah, this this is it all makes sense and I'm guessing like maybe some of the listeners um, also don't know sort of like the nitty gritty of those principles, you know, like it's, it's a good philosophy, <laughs> but I have to say like to the men and women out there, like it's not easy being married to a man who is so his word and so committed to the things he's committed to in life. Like it's not easy. You know, it's like, I think a lot of women I hear are like, oh, I just want like a king who's like a leader and like, you know, all these things. And, you know, so sometimes I'll even hear some of my friends say someone like Jetty. And I'm like, Jetty is amazing. And I love being married to him. And he is a young prince. He is building a kingdom. He has a lot of commitments that he shows up for. And I like my journey of supporting him through those commitments has not always been easy. In fact, it's one of the things that we've gotten into a lot of really tough dynamics around. And that being said, um, one thing Jenny said to me the other night when we were arguing about the other, his commitment was he said, do you benefit from in our marriage from the commitments I make to you? And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's so true. I, you know, like, it's not always easy saying like, yes, I'll cover you for this or yes, okay, you have to do that. Okay, yes, I'll cover. I'll watch the kids again this time. Okay. But, and when he says, you will have this, I will be there when, and I, you can count on me for, I also get the result of that. Um, but I, I, there's like a part of me that just wants to be, a, you know, be really transparent with women that if you're going to date a leader or you want to date someone who is a king or any of those things, it's, it's not like th they're just going to bow and, and create all this, this beautiful kingdom for you without some sense of like how you have to hold that man. You know, like how you have to create that man. My friend Mark Bass once said, our friend Mark Bass once said, a man usually gets married for two reasons. One, he wants a family and he can't do that alone. And the other is he has a vision and he knows that he needs a woman to hold space for that vision, to hold him and, and challenge him to be in that vision. Mm. I definitely feel like it's both <laughs> for Jenny. Like he wanted a definitely family and that, but um, I'll never forget what he said about that because it's true. I don't think that Jenny, like I don't think I would be the woman I am had I not had to challenge and push myself to support someone so selflessly. And I don't think Jetty would be who he is if he didn't have me challenging him every step of the way and just having to contend with my challenges around what I have to face, um, you know, I don't think he would be the same person either. So yeah, I 100% agree with that. It's definitely been both for me is I definitely wanted a family and I definitely knew that I wasn't going to be able to achieve what I wanted to create in my life if I didn't have a partner to support me and somebody to support as well. And that's one thing I can look back and say, I was honestly, 
aware of stepping into marriage, that it wasn't just my show and you were along for the ride. You weren't just playing a supporting role in this movie. We were we were both co-stars in this in this film of the Azuma family saga. <laughs> and it's been beautiful. One of the things that's come up a lot, and obviously we spoke about some of the things that have helped us along that way, but competing for time, which yes. just competing for resources the in competition general. Competition for resources. The competition <laughs> for resources was such a big thing that huge. I had my story about it. Here I am, I'm providing for this family, I'm building a business, I'm working on our future, I'm creating a life for us. There were a lot of really... And here I am watching the kids all the time, putting my career in the backseat so that we can be... <laughs> I mean, all of the different stories. Although you've actually never had me backseat my career. I, I've chosen pretty much every direction I wanted to go. And as a mother... There is a lot of default for me with the kid zone um, for you to be able to build that kingdom. But both neither are wrong, neither are right. We just mm -hmm. both had our experiences. And I think that's like being entrepreneurs, raising children. I know our friends, Alexi, um, Panos and Preston Smiles also hit up against this. And we've had conversations with them about this. It's like they have four kids under four. God bless their hearts. Oh, they're my heroes. But um, yeah, it's like when you own businesses and you're powerful leaders together, sometimes like like the children are like such the joyous part and they help you grow. And sometimes it's like, whoa, you know, like I just want to be out and be of service. And there's all these little pieces now that I have to track and be responsible for and and default on. And like now our family has COVID. Now we have to be inside. Now we can't work like all the different elements of like how we're trading off getting to be sovereign expressed human beings. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's such a little Tetris game. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about the competing for resources. Cause I, I feel like we've, we've gotten to a really nice spot where we're really working together. You mentioned our ability to work together as a team. Now it's not always been, I've always feel like we've been a team, but we're a much better team now than we were seven years ago. Wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. So let's, definitely. let's, what, so what have been the, what have been like the, the highlights or the big moments where that changed the things that we've learned to apply differently to be a better team? Hmm. You know, I, I have to say, and maybe you'll agree that in this seventh year of our marriage, I think we're learning the most. I think we're actually seeing patterns that, that we have really surrounded ourselves in that kind of almost became like the, the background of our reality when it comes to struggle and stress and stress induced productivity. So much um, of that I learned in my lineage of women that like stress, coffee, you know, all the things that rev up the nervous system is what pushes you forward into success. And I know you've had your share of, of just like, you know, feeling like you're in the story of work has to be hard. It has to be hard and it has to be some sort of toil in order for success to be at the other side. And I think there is a part of us that are moving deeper into the spirit element of our values and leaning back into trust and not just spirit, but also trusting ourselves, trusting ourselves more, trusting our gut together. You know, one thing I want to just interject there mm -hmm. is the, the, uh, there's like a practice or something we did where we identified, we got to put everything down for a second and just pause long enough and go back to the basic building blocks. Like what actually makes us okay at a fundamental level? 
I know mm. for me, it was yeah. my physicality. I need time for, to be physical. I need time to be in my men's circles where I get support because I'm leading in so many other circles. Me being able to go and be on my men's team every other week in the evening times. There were some real basic ones, a few of them. And then for yeah, you, you know, what are true. the things that you needed? You needed more It was when I started and, like swimming. Remember, I started yeah. swimming. I started getting like a pedicure once a week. Go ahead and start like there were little things where we said, okay, that's it. We're not going to fight for resources anymore. In fact, we're going to figure out how to give each other the resources we need for our, our needs to be more fully met, mm-hmm. even if it's a little harder on us in the interim to watch the kids or to like wake up earlier to let that person go to the gym, whatever it may be. We just became really, we became more committed to each other's well being than we did to the fighting for the resources. Right. Like we got on the same sideline. I got, I got on your team to make your swimming happen. You got on my team to make sure that I could. I have to credit Erica Vargas when she coached us because she, she's an incredible coach. And she said to us, you're both at a a crossroads where you really, you guys are, have played this game for so long of being in survival and in this fight for resources that at some point you can do all the work you want, but what's really required is a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. When she said that my whole body just like buzzed and like, like just aligned so hard with that because I remember us being in that session and looking at each other and being like, oh God, you're, she's right. Like, I haven't been trusting you. I don't trust you. I, I feel like I have to put my weapons up. And then at that moment, she's like, you have to both put your weapons down mm. and go go to that center of that field and start and then just leap off the cliff and Carrie, you have to trust that Jetty's going to catch you and Jetty, you have to trust that Carrie's going to catch you. Yeah. I think that was actually one of the biggest turning points of our relationship. Yeah. That was the first time that we really got on the same team about the, the most basic things that mattered. And it, it was amazing. We, we were super committed to it for a long stretch of time. I want to say it was for at least a few months. Something mm-hmm. else probably came up along the way <laughs> that threw us off our course. Yeah. Um, but we, but we've carried it forward regardless that those most basic fundamental needs that we have, we're, we're champions for each other's needs. You know, like I don't, I don't count on you. It's not like you can go to the gym and work out for me, Right. but the role (laughs) that you play in making that a possibility, I'm out of the door at five 30 in the morning so I can make it happen. But that means that when the kids wake up at who knows when, (laughs) depending on the evening that you've got it covered. And It took some time, but at this point, no matter, even if you got the worst night's sleep and the kids woke up a bunch of times, you never make me wrong for going to the gym, which yeah. is such a big deal for me because, and this is on, on the men's side of things, maybe for the women to appreciate, and I'm sure the men can relate, that there's, a, there's always a voice in my head that's saying, go help your wife, go make it easier on her. Go be a, go 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 help her out because she's tired and she's the kids da 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 da. Mm. When I know that I also need to be going and taking care of myself. So the fact that you get yeah. on my team about me taking care of myself, and that you're also been willing to deal with those hard times sometimes, so that I can have that, it makes me want to rebound and show up that much more powerfully for you and your swimming or your meditation or your time going to visit your friend, and and then we keep ping-ponging back and forth off of each other and it builds this beautiful momentum. Yeah, same. Yeah, I think, I think there's so many times where we've tried prior to this year, I feel like, where we've tried to just like give each other some free time or whatever it may be. But it was what was behind that was like a trade-off. It was counting points. It was like, if I give you this, then I get to have that. Versus now... 
after we we now we grew up a little bit <laughs> and now we're like oh wow like I just want to see him with a full cup because honestly, you guys, like this year we have like our health has been failing us because of that pattern. And I think that was also a big turning point. Like Jetty just having moments where he's like, I'm feeling so overwhelmed that my chest is tightening. And I was like, oh, my God, like I am not committed to my husband having a heart attack at 34 because he feels so bogged down by his responsibilities to this family. And, you know, I, I got Hashimoto's this year with my thyroid and I was like, wow, I'm really not committed to pushing myself so hard and and saying yes to everything. Um, so that, you know, like I can, I can come back to get the resources I need. I need to make a stand for myself and take better care and enroll my husband in that. And I think he wanted that as well. It was sort of a wake up call for us. And yeah. And sometimes that's how the universe does it. You know, it just sends you the, like the physical, here you go. Not to mention that this last winter we got six virus or three viruses in six weeks, which was so intense. And that was one of the biggest growth periods of our life. So let's go into that. The last two months, (laughs) <laughs> Would you say the most challenging two months we've had in almost eight years of marriage? Oh, I don't know. I think after Sitka's birth was still probably the most challenging part of our marriage. I think because we're so much more equipped now, I feel like I I have expanded into a body that can hold what we've been through. And definitely it was, it's been like a vision quest. (laughs) Like it's been like a really like, whoa. Uh, And it's more of a sense of not overwhelm this time, but more of a sense of expansion to the point of pain. (laughs) I'm like, whoa, like I cannot stretch my container any further. Who's gonna catch us if we explode? (laughs) Um, But then also, I think we built in so much trust from the prayer we did in August, which we can talk more about. Um, And the and the commitment to our one thing this year, which was ease and abundance and being on that commitment together was such a huge, huge way for us to prepare what hit us this winter. So let's let's go into the our, our prayer. So in August, it was our seven year wedding anniversary. Seven is a sacred number in the Native American church. And in our belief system, we're, we're participants in the Native American church. And we really wanted to, when we got married, we were not yet involved with that, with those ways. And so we wanted to reaffirm our vows to each other on that seventh year with our families, all of our family present, and really just take a fresh look at our relationship and our marriage. So what was your perspective on what we committed to and how it was different than the first time we made those vows? Yeah, it's always so beautiful renewing your vows because you you really know the person this time and you know your marriage. So um, that was one of the hardest ceremonies, TP ceremonies I've ever actually sat through personally, um, because I felt I felt all of the fires that we walk through in that ceremony and all of the overwhelm and all of the toxicity of the stress that we clung on to as um, our tool to make it push through things. And that's when I knew I was done. With that, um, and so that's that's what's been so beautiful about that prayer is that we made this commitment that life will be more easeful, that we will take more time to be present, that we will, you know, reject the the stress and the and the the need to um, control so much in order to move forward, and 
those can be kind of a shadow side, I feel like, of being a coach or being in the leadership world. It's You can really move into control in a very sly way. And I feel like there's many times where we've kind of given into that. And I think that was us really putting a stake in the ground saying, we're not going to do that anymore. And I actually think one of the most beautiful new vows that you gave me was that you were going to trust me to lead the family a little bit more and stop... Um, yeah, there was like so, uh, like a declaration around, um, I don't need to like have to be in control of ha- like having things go my way or I can't remember how you said it. it was so beautiful when the vows were happening. I was crying, but that was the one that meant the most to me. And it's the one I remember the most because I was like, wow. <laughs> and actually from that prayer, I have really witnessed you listening to me more, confiding in me more and trusting me more. And I have to say, I I do think it has (laughs) brought us into some really cool choices and decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, because I do feel like the matriarch can sometimes see things, um, on a spiritual plane that, um, is really unique and special, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and not that the, your masculine seer isn't just as important. Um, but you know, I think, you know, in, in many indigenous communities, women lead the communities for a reason. They, you know, they hold the communities. We can have this diffuse awareness and this greater periphery view of all of the things that are feeding into life. And so, um, it was just, it's just been really beautiful to have more trust from you. And as I reflect on that, it's really interesting because, I've seen it and I've felt it, but I haven't really thought too much about to, to how, how those pieces came together, but it makes a lot of sense because I, I review myself and how I've shown up in our marriage up to this point and up, especially up to right before that ceremony we held. And I could see over the years of where I took on more and more control and more and more responsibility. The time after Sitka was born where you were in postpartum depression and I felt like I really needed to hoist the family on my shoulders and that you weren't really in a position to make bigger picture decisions that I had to take that on myself. And I got very used to that. I got very accustomed to it to the point where I, I didn't really trust you to make those big decisions. And even though you found your way out of that, there was a part of that that I didn't let go of because I wasn't even conscious I'd been holding on to it. Yeah. And in the time since the ceremony last August, I really can can feel in my body what you just said, you know, trusting you more to step forward and step into your feminine role in this relationship without me trying to do all of it. And it has been beautiful. I've seen so much more of you come forth. Your mm-hmm. creativity, your excitement is so much more online than it was before. And I mean, that's the way that I want to build a life together. You know, I want to <sighs> amplify the the resonance that you have from your from your feminine place and use my masculine skill set and abilities to make it happen mm. and to to have that mutual respect for each other's foresight and insights is has been huge. It, it really has, despite the fact that the past two months have been a whirlwind. Oh, I think yeah. the only way that we've been able to navigate it is because we've we've both taken turns leaning on each other. Yes. 
Yes, it's so you just said that so beautifully. And I also think one of the ways that that's happened, because we've had a lot of warrior energy in our marriage from when Sitka was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sitka's birth was so intense. It was such a, um, a part of our myth, a huge part of our myth, like our hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, his birth, his karmic birth was just so big in our marriage and how it formed our marriage. It left an imprint on us. So there was all this warrior energy of like, we have to overcome, we have to, you know, survive. We, it, and I think there was a lot like you said you took on a lot of that energy to care for us and it was necessary at the time and yeah just kind of stuck and we just sort of defaulted Mm. and we both played into that in our own ways and I think one of the vows that I had this time around that sort of supported you in releasing that was I was recommitting to your joy Mm. and saying I'm going to create more spaces for you to like hang out with your friends and go do the things that you love to take care of yourself and see your light so that you can tap into receiving you know because you haven't gotten to receive in so long because you've been holding that and I recognize that in our marriage too Mm, yeah and that's the sweet place that we've gotten to now you know we've made that big decision now that we're moving to Austin and we've yet again we've raised the bar in our lives to 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 move and to relocate and to do it on a very short timeline that might not seem reasonable (laughs) to other people Uh, a lot of the we love challenging ourselves in these ways (laughs) yeah we throw ourselves into the fire and sometimes I'm like why are we doing this and it's because we we trust in something bigger than ourselves and we trust each other I trust you to, to do your part in making that happen. Same, same. And it's really beautiful that we've arrived there. So I just think about so many people who are out there in relationships that, because it, it is a challenge, right? It yeah. is a challenge raising children in this world. There's countless reasons to talk, to throw in the towel and to not be able to make it. But the practice of being in marriage, the practice of being in communication and in deeper levels of trust is, is really what makes it work, is what makes it work. And it's, it's the cliche that has so much truth in it of you really got to tend to the marriage. You can't, you can't let time go by. You can't forget to stop dating Mm-mm. each other and really being curious about each other because yeah. people change. We've changed. I, I have a yeah. different perspective on life and many things in life than I did when I asked you to marry me when yeah. I was 26. Not to mention your new haircut. I've yeah. never seen you with short hair in our whole marriage. It's been very strange. So there's, always, there's always adjustments. And... And sure, and there, there probably are many more that we can't even anticipate. And yeah. it's it's the challenges that are the constant, and it's the way that we show up for them that we have influence and impact over to change. Yeah, and I have to speak to intimacy too because that's an interesting thing. I feel like there's so many times where we sort of, and my parents touched on this in their wedding ceremony. They talked about this. They said there's going to be times where you're not. It's not going to feel like super lovey, and you're not going to feel 100 percent connected, and you know you're not going to have a sex drive or whatever it may be. And I, you know, I've seen that happen up and down in our marriage. It's like, there's times where we're so connected and we're just so on the same plane. And there's other times where, where we have to trust like the, the connection. We have to trust the connection um, more than we have, you know, the ability to hold on to like the proof and the evidence of the right now where, you know, we are okay. Um, and just... I think we've been married long enough now because I'm an anxious attachment style. I would say Jenny's pretty secure, but I would say we've been married long enough now to where I finally believe that if we're not 100% connected, Jenny's not going to leave me. (laughs) 
Because there's always this little 20s something voice in me of like, okay, that's it. We, you know, we're not getting along. We're not connected. He's out of here. Um, but now I, I think that's another sweet spot of the seven year, the seven year point is like, I know that I, we've had enough evidence for me to know that we can move away from connection and we can move back to it. And sometimes those are scary tunnels. They're, they're dark tunnels, but it's, the, it's again, that's where spirit, our value of spirit comes in. It's like that trust. We have to just trust and hold on to the wind mm-hmm. and know that we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah. And, and the last thing I want to say about that is that there's so much of our childhood stories and what we model and observe from our parents' relationship or the absence of their relationship that impacts the way we show up later on in our marriages. I mean, there's countless educational material out there on, on psychology related to this, but it's, but it's true. And the fact that we both have spent time really studying that within each other, it's that curiosity of continuously trying to dig deeper into knowing who my partner really is Mm -hmm. and not pretending like, Oh, I know who she is from back when I met her. I know who I married because you really don't, you really don't. Unless, I mean, unless you've spent years and years really digging into those depths and into those layers, I'm still finding out things about who I am. (laughs) And and I I anticipate that that's going to continue for both of us. I mean, not to mention parenthood, which we could do a whole nother episode about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We probably should because there's how much of the challenges that we faced off with were revealed because we became parents that maybe wouldn't have if we didn't face off. Pretty much all of them because we got pregnant right after we got married. (laughs) Yeah. and those were, yeah, parenthood has been one of the biggest catalysts for us evolving for sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's not, I'm sure it's true for many. So time flies, my love. And we're just about at the end here. Is yeah. there anything else that you want to say about relationship? Maybe a few words of wisdom to the lovers out there. Oh gosh. I don't know. I mean, every, I mean, don't ever put yourself up against another relationship, you know, cause every relationship is so unique. I feel like, you know, it's like every relationship could have its own social security number. It's that unique. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we choose our partners for such karmic reasons. And yeah, it's it's just one of, we always have these crossroads and choices in life where it's like, we're, we're choosing the unknown. When we choose to get married or we choose a partner, we're choosing the unknown. When we choose to be parents, we're choosing the unknown. When we choose to move somewhere new, again, choosing the unknown. And, um... I feel that, you know, if you're feeling hopeless or uh, saddened or any of those things around partnership relationship, um, hold steady and just knowing that it's, it's part of like the learning curve of your life. And not everyone's meant to be in a storybook marriage. Not everybody's meant to be in a marriage. Not everyone's meant to be whatever, you know, it's to have the perfect partnership or, and I think aspiring to perfection or aspiring to some sort of model is, is just a trap. Like stay in, stay in the unknown, build the trust with your partner and, and make sure they're on board for that, for that level of building trust with you. And the, the learning will be rich and good. Yeah. Yeah. And we said before that love is not enough to sustain a marriage forever. But if there is love there, then I believe that, that growth is possible. No matter what the outcome is, mm. even if it's that the marriage and the relationship are no longer possible. Yeah. But as long as there is love and you know you love that person or there's been love there before, then there's something that both of us can get from it and, and create for each other. So Well said. 
All right, my love. Lastly, tell people a little bit about the work that you're doing and uh, where people can go to find you. Yeah, well, I mean, this conversation really is what formed my work currently. Um, some of you might have known that I used to coach mothers after my <laughs> my huge explosion of heart with what happened with my birth with Sitka. But um, now, after staying home for a while with my kids and really understanding the effects of this pandemic and just the expansion of what it means to be in full trust of that unknown, I've really transitioned to working with women, mothers and women without children on um, the nervous system and leadership. So really, really been exploring the nervous system and how leadership as the model it's been has really overridden many women's nervous systems because it's like it can really be about kind of stepping over certain parts of ourselves and putting little tears in our soul um, in order to move forward. And I really want to support women in, in moving slower and picking up all those little pieces of their inner world so that their inner world is functioning to color and unfold their outer world and how they create visions and how they accomplish their goals and how they make you know the manifestations in their heart real. Great. So do you want to let anybody know what you've got coming up or do you want to, do you want to hold on to that and just have people come contact you? I mean, yeah, you know, I'm doing mostly one-on-one -on -one work. My one-on-one -on -one programs right now are super rich because, um, going into the nervous system takes a lot of time, you know, to really rebuild that nervous system. So I am really, really amped on my one-on-one -on -one program right now. It's super delicious and intense, intensive, I should say. Um, but I am, I am sneaking in a little beta program that uh, right now it's invitation only, but I'm going to be dropping in with some work with, um, a lot of new somatic practice, a lot of in-person stuff coming up once we get into Austin. So stay tuned. I'm, uh, going to be posting stuff on my Instagram at Carrie Azuma. So if you guys want to tune in there, I will, you'll, you'll hear all the things on the nervous system right now and on my page. So it's fun. Go check her out. I'm obviously biased because I'm her husband, but Carrie really is. She's been doing this longer than I even knew that it existed. And she's truly a fantastic coach and a really excellent, excellent leader. So thank you for taking time to have this conversation with me today. I love you. It's always a pleasure. And it's always <laughs> an honor to have you on here. Love you too. Thanks, honey. All right, make sure you go to risingman.org for all the access to links and resources in this episode and every episode. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify, please give us that five-star review, that five-star rating. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash the rising man movement. If you're only listening to the podcast, you're missing out on a bunch of other content that we have on the YouTube channel. So go check it out. Also, get us, give us a follow on Instagram at Rising Man Movement. Big shout out to the whole Rising Man crew, every single one of you guys, the men, the women, the children, everybody who's a part of this movement in one way or another. So much love and gratitude to all of you out there. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.